Okay, so today I'm really happy to welcome on to the Metaverse podcast, Sangwin Sio, otherwise known as Sam, director of Clayton Foundation. Welcome, Sam. Thank you for having me. So Clayton is an open source blockchain that combines the best features of both public and private blockchains to deliver scale and speed um, in both a kind of build, work and play metaverse context. The network's actually been around since June 2019, mainnet's been live since then, but you've really been enjoying a resurgence or explosion of interest uh, more recently within this kind of metaverse context, as I say in the top. So I think you're sat somewhere uh, comfortably within the top 50 by market capitalization now. Um, you've got uh, an impressive council of you know, large enterprise, both, I guess, in a, in a Web2 context like LG, uh, Netmarble, but then also in, in Web3 like Binance. Um, and you know, you've, you've got some interesting technical decisioning we're starting to see a lot of this debate around you know to what extent we need public permissioned um versus you know private closed in the context of the metaverse which obviously has a higher uh, requirement uh, for throughput immersiveness and, and and performance um but also what's quite interesting about you guys is that um you are kind of a spin out very closely related to Korea's largest mobile platform, KCAT, with over 50 million monthly users. Um, and I guess b- because of coming out of Korea, you know, really tapping into a lot of the kind of gaming, GameFi um, use cases that, of course, are very, very kind of popular and prevalent out there as a, as a world leader in a regional context. But it'd be great to learn a little bit more about you and the team, as I said, uh, there's this kind of uh, relationship with KCAL, the mobile platform. Um, but I know also, you know, you have a, a really strong research background, uh, unsurprisingly, I guess, related to, to Samsung Research. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and the team before we get into Clayton, what it is, how it works? Sure. I'm in KCAL uh, for uh about four years. So I joined actually uh, Groundex, which was a subsidiary of Kakao. And the Kakao is, uh, is one of the largest IT companies in South Korea and is the mobile messenger service. Kakao Talk is just like a WhatsApp or WeChat in South Korea. So more than 90% of Korean populations is using this Kakao Talk. So in 2018, uh, the Kakao established the uh, uh, Clayton and also uh, Groundex, which uh, is, uh, is, is a development company of this Clayton blockchain uh, platform. And I joined Groundex uh, as a uh, software uh, engineer. Uh, and actually, uh, I, I did my PhD in parallel programming and computer science and also high-performance computing. So my interest was so uh, how to make the blockchain fast enough for the mobile applications or real world, the largest scale applications to utilize it. So that was my first interest. 
and the Kaka was looking for uh, uh, researchers or engineers who can build uh, those kind of blockchain platform, and that was that was Clayton. So that was the beginning, and before joining GroundX, I was a research engineer in Samsung Research, also a computer scientist at Argonne National Lab in the US. So based on my uh, the previous uh, experience and knowledge about the high-performance computing and performance optimization, we started to build a high-performance uh, blockchain, but at the time we realized that we needed to combine the best features of uh, public blockchain and private blockchain to achieve uh, that kind of high-performance blockchain. Because at the time, back in 2018, there was no blockchain platform that can meet the, the requirements for mobile applications. Yeah, you know, because of course this is, I guess, that's always been a debate in the background within Web3 and crypto is, you know, is it performance enough for all these different kind of use cases? But I think the the reframing the context of blockchains in the metaverse puts even more focus and perhaps pressure on scalability because of course the kind of things that people imagine the metaverse to bring are highly immersive vr ar experiences perhaps that's on a mobile device perhaps it's on a vr headset perhaps it's in ar glasses whatever it might be and so as I said, you guys launched Mainnet back in 2019. At that point, I guess the kind of use cases you would have been talking about were very different to today, right? Yes. that At the time, I mean, we didn't talk about Metaverse uh, too much, but at the time we wanna, uh, we talked about uh, mass adoption of blockchain because people were thinking about uh, how to utilize this decentralized system and trustless system in a the legacy system were the massive large scale systems. So it was quite different from the current situation because nowadays we are talking about metaverse and how to use this new technology in the metaverse or games and so on. But back in 2019, because that was just the beginning, we focused on how to use this technology in existing systems or new applications. And so obviously... And would you refer to Clayton or at least Ground X as a as a spin out of KCAL or was it kind of structured in a different way? So Ground X was uh, it's kind of spin off of, uh, from Kakao, but it's still the subsidiary of Kakao company. So, but the after two years, uh, no, actually after three years, the Kakao also. Uh, established a new company like uh, Crust Universe, which uh, that I'm currently working at. So the Crust Universe took over the, the development role of creating blockchain platform. So the least currently, the Groundx, GroundX was working on both the creating platform and with the blockchain wireless and other NFT services. But nowadays, the, the rules are like this. GroundX is focusing on crypto wireless and the NFT services, and now the Clayton Foundation and Curse Universe, uh, these two entities are working on the development and the expansion of this uh, Clayton blockchain. By the way, the Clayton Foundation is a non-profit organization, but uh, it's still closely working with Curse Universe, that is uh, also the cacao company. 
Understood. And um, so can then you just talk us through the kind of design makeup? So you mentioned at the top end, you kind of take the best of both you know, public and private blockchains. So how does that how does that manifest technically? What does that stack look like? And then maybe how's it being utilized? Because I know whilst you have many enterprise, some of which are in the council building out private networks, they're also deploying on a public network uh, dApps, right? So, so maybe we talk about the kind of technical design in a, in a not too too technical way, in a way that can, can be accessible. Um, and then we can talk about how it's actually being leveraged. So good. Thank you for the question. So because we really cared about the performance and scalability you know, to provide high throughput or low latency, like the ones, the currently, the Clayton provides one second block time and one second finalization time. So it's quite fast. Yeah. So, but to achieve this short time of uh, block generation, we had to sacrifice kind of uh, the permissionless feature, which means we formed a set of validator network, uh, which is actually run by uh, the governance council. And that governance council part is a permissioned network. So only validators who have, who have permission can join the network and learn the, uh, the consensus node to generate the block. So that's the part of kind of private sector. And we can call it private, but it's kind of the permission network. But surrounding this permission network, we have permission list network, which is called endpoint node network. And this endpoint node networks uh, can be participated by anyone and any developer or any company. So anyone can deploy smart contract or read the blockchain data and send transactions. So there's no limitation on using the network, but consensus parties manage it and done by the permissioned members, uh, which is the governance council. So we combine this feature because we want to achieve the high performance. Also, we want to provide a permissionless use of this uh, blockchain and smart contract. And um, could you maybe then just talk us through who are the kind of node operators in that council? I mentioned a few at the top end, but I know there are many more. And could you talk us through how and why those particular parties were selected? What was the kind of criteria that you used to decide that? So we currently have 33 members in the governance council who are learning their own consensus node by themselves. So we invited them by looking at what they want to do with the blockchain and what they uh, what they can contribute to the expansion of blockchain technology and also expansion of Clayton ecosystem. That was the first criteria. And because we started this blockchain network and the moving forward to decentralization from web to company uh, to like web three world. So the, if you look at our members of governance council, most of them are from web to uh, world, I would say. So they they also wanted to learn and experiment uh, what blockchain is and how they can utilize and use this blockchain technology in their services or in their future uh, businesses. So uh, the second criteria was uh, what 
their plan for uh, the future. So with blockchain, that was the second criteria. And the third criteria was we want to have diverse uh, parties that contribute to the blockchain. So we invited large companies like LG Electronics, or GS Sharp and Kakao companies. And then we also looked at the, the crypto Web3 companies like Maker and Binance and game companies, Netmarble and Kakao Games and uh, Polarbis. So we diversified the, the entities who are joining this network so they can collaborate and they can discuss different sectors and different businesses so they can make a synergy uh, uh, from the collaboration. And of course, they can participate in the governance of this collective network. Great. And so now we kind of, you know, networks, as I said, been live for some time. It looks like that council's growing and uh, it seems that you're, you're kind of now getting good, good traction. Can you talk about how this is being used in, in a metaverse context? I think you, you mentioned gaming uh, a little bit earlier, but could you could you talk about the kind of use cases that you're seeing emerge both in the permissioned and public network? Okay, so we have been uh, working with the game companies since 2019. So at the time, we tried to adopt this blockchain technology to the legacy, the large scale games. So, but at the time, people actually we're not so interested in using this uh, plate to on games or blockchain game, blockchain-based games. But after uh, one or two years, now people started to looking at these games and the, the ec- economics or the features or NFTs uh, created in those games. So one of the examples that uh, were very successful is the Wimix network, and they... Uh, they used our private version of Clayton and they set up, uh, they, built, they built their own game uh, blockchain network and they launched some games on the network. But the interesting thing was their tokens or their uh, some items uh, the, were, were actually issued on the mainnet and then the mainnet is public network. So they interacted with the public network uh, from the, the private version of the network. So we tried this kind of interaction for, for the scalability, also uh, for their secure network for the privacy. So there was one example. Also, we have uh, different game players who are actually working on developing the similar blockchain games or blockchain network by using this uh, the similar uh, structure. So one of them is Netmarble. They recently started uh, developing their games using Clayton uh, blockchain technology, but they will also uh, plan to interact with the public mainnet. So we expect this kind of uh, scaling solution could help them on focus on their the games uh, rather than worrying about the congestion in the public network. So. These kind of uh, examples are just representative of our games or metaverse uh, trials. And we are currently expecting <clears throat> more games and entertainment companies who will be utilizing this Clayton in their services. So we 
a plan to provide kind of the, the metaverse package for them to easily uh, utilize this Clayton and other development tools or other development environment so they can easily build their services over the blockchain. So obviously NFTs are a kind of cornerstone foundational building block for the open metaverse vision. And, you know, in that context, I know you've referred to yourselves as a GameFi chain. So it'd be interesting to understand the types of NFT implementations that you're seeing. I know NFTs or similar types of assets, programmable assets have been a cornerstone of your thinking, but then also how that might relate to DeFi as well as kind of collateral in DeFi. Okay, so uh, Clayton has been supporting NFT since uh, from the beginning. So uh, actually, Clayton is one of uh, blockchain that OpenSea uh, supports. So the trading volume and uh, OpenSea is quite huge these days. So the types of implementation, the NFT implementation Clayton is uh, supporting is the, like the ERC seven twenty one or ERC eleven fifty five. So NFT implementation on Clayton is very comparable with Ethereum's. And so these uh, NFT implementations are used on games or uh, entertainers and, and uh, sell-ups and also the commercial coupon. So using these NFTs, the game companies, they can itemize these, their own uh, the game items into a digital assets. So basically, they use normal the database-based game items, but at some point, they change their items to NFT. So they can extract the, the game items to the blockchain world. And then after that, the, this NFT uh, game items can be traded or can be listed on the marketplace. Also, they can be used in the DeFi world. So for example, the NFT can be used as a collateral for the other DeFi services. And these kind of activities are happening in, on Clayton and the number of NFT projects and the number of the NFT minting activities is tremendously uh, increasing these days. So maybe just to, to go into that in a little bit more detail. So effectively, a, a gaming asset can be stored in a conventional way on a centralized database. But at, at some point, it, it can be effectively published onto the public network as a, a freely tradable asset. Is that controlled by, I guess, the platform operator, or would that be the user themselves can change the state effectively? So actually, it depends on the, uh, the games, but the most nowadays, most games are uh, allowing users to yeah, control the the, the gaming assets. So if you just want to change the, the game assets to NFT, they can, I mean, the game should provide that kind of functionality, but uh, if the functionality is there, the user can decide when they want to change this game assets to NFT. And But once NFT is created, they can be freely traded over the, the NFT marketplace. That's the idea, but some games, they might restrict the scope of the trading because they want to hold the users inside their ecosystem. In that case, they provide the, the NFT marketplace rather than using the public marketplace. 
Yeah, and I mean, I guess, you know, you can see with even organizations like Epic Games who talk about the open metaverse, who are perhaps more open to the concept of NFTs, you know, they're still very cautious about implementing it. They want to retain control. Um, and I can imagine, right, rightly or wrongly, that, you know, there will be there will be kind of these halfway houses where some some games will choose to allow for for a, a degree of sovereignty or for the user when they can control the asset and um i imagine over time that's going to become more open um but certainly as as large gaming publishers try to test out and navigate the space um there may be kind of more more limited versions of it so let's Let's kind of zoom out now. I think it's really interesting what you're doing. Maybe maybe just for context, can you give us some idea of the kind of numbers involved in your network adoption? I don't know whether that's in in the number of DAP implementations, the kind of transaction volume or, or anything else. Yeah, so we have a block explore called Clayton Scope. And if, yeah, if you go there, then you can find the number of uh, tokens and number of NFTs and Currently, I'm looking at this website, and we have more than 330 bunch of tokens. And these are not everything, but uh, at least the, the Black Explorer shows that more than 30, 300 tokens have been issued. And we also have around 140 non-fungible tokens. The NFTs are there. and But the OpenSea has more uh, the NFT projects listed. So I believe there are more than 500 NFT uh, the collections uh, on OpenSea. So those are uh, numbers of tokens. And regarding the transaction volumes, we have been huge surge uh, these days, but recently, so at the, the largest number was more than 20, 20 million transactions per day. But nowadays, it, it a bit uh, decreased because we recently increased the the gas price to reduce the, the network congestion. But these days, the number of transaction volume is between 100,000 and a million. So it'd be good to kind of just close off and zoom out. I'm always really curious as to what's happening in the South Korean crypto scene generally. Um, you know, certainly to us here out in the West, South Korea's seen as you know, a kind of a vision for the future, not just in crypto, but just more generally, right? And I think it's it's understood that crypto adoption is much broader across uh, South Korean society. So it'd be really interesting to understand both from a kind of consumer, from a retail perspective, and then also, I guess, a government and a regulatory perspective what the scenes like there? I, I know you're not limited to um, to South Korea. You're you know you're a global project, but I also know that you're you're very much central to that that whole regional ecosystem. So it'd be good to understand what what's going on over there. So if you like the South Korean, uh, the crypto culture is very unique because people are very supportive and actually they are very proactive. Uh, on adopting and using these cryptocurrencies and blockchain. So, uh, but but because of the, this uh, 
culture or the, the language differences. So the, the Korean community is kind of separate from the, the other rest of the world, I would say, because the community members are discussing and talking about how we, uh, how the next applications are, how the, the, this, uh, the market trend will be, uh, will look like and so on. And so uh, let me give you an example of my experience. I recently gave a, a lecture on one university in South Korea, and I also gave a lecture the last year for the same uh, the course. Uh, but the, in last year, I when I asked about uh, how many people have the cryptocurrencies in their wallet, and and uh, very few people raised their hands. But when this time, the, a few days ago, when I asked the same question. I thought more than 90% of the, the students have had cryptocurrencies and I was very surprised. And so people are very uh, familiar with uh, cryptocurrencies and NFTs these days. And yeah, that's what's happening in South Korea. And, and from the perspective of regulation, and the government is moving uh, not so fast, but they are uh, really caring about uh, protecting users and and traders because without good regulation, yeah, people can be uh, the people's uh, cryptocurrency can be stolen by hackers, and there might be some yeah bad things happening. But uh, like anti, uh, the money laundering, but if you don't have proper regulation, uh, we cannot restrict uh, those kind of situations. So. So the government is trying to make a good regulation. And one of the examples is, so the government imposes the, the crypto exchanges in South Korea to apply travelers uh, for their users to transfer and receive cryptocurrencies. So that was, that's kind of, uh, that is uh, one of the examples that the Korean government is doing these days. Understood. And then uh, like more recently, I saw that there was some announcement by the South Korean government as to a national metaverse strategy. And I was just wondering to what extent they've connected the two trends, crypto, Web3, and the metaverse. Yeah. From my understanding, uh, the Korean government doesn't actually encourage the use of a, a cryptocurrency, but they uh, like technology behind the cryptocurrency, like blockchain and others. So, but because of COVID and a limitation of travel and also the popularity of metaverse, the government uh, started to listen to experts or industries about how we can uh, come up with combine these new technologies like uh, blockchain and NFTs and metaverse, and then they, yeah, they thought that the metaverse really fits with NFT and blockchain because these uh, blockchain technologies can provide kind of uh, trust to the metaverse because in the metaverse world uh, we cannot trust. It's hard to trust people and objects there because we don't know what. They are and how who they are and what uh, those objects are is in in the metaverse. But if we can verify those uh, object and uh, the entities there, and we can actually do our life there. 
So that part can be done by uh, using the blockchain and NFTs. And the, those uh, tech, technologies can provide trust inside the metaverse. And the government thinks that, okay, the combining these technologies can be a next, a next industry or a next uh, uh, things that the Korea, South Korean should focus. Well, um, well, we wish you luck in, in helping South Korea connect those dots to understand the convergence of Web3 infrastructure and its, its principles um, with this wider metaverse narrative, as, uh, as hopefully you already know, it's very, very important to us in the context of the open metaverse. And, you know, I, I don't think there's many other actors within the region like yourselves that who are known trusted parties um, and that can bring a lot of enterprise uh, engagement and interest along with them so sam it's been great talking to you um, and hearing what you're doing with the, the clayton network uh, and i wish you luck for the rest of the year and maybe we catch up soon and figure out how it's all been going on thank you jamie if you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.